0: your hands together for the late morning program with your host, Nam
1: Ross.
0: <laughs> Hello everyone. Welcome to the t- the mor- late blah, the late morning program. Episode with Genevieve Harrison. Genevieve, nice to have you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on. I'm so excited. I've you John... been
1: on a podcast before.
0: Really? No, you have. You do radio shows and stuff, are right?
1: There's our though. They're,
0: oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Tell us a bit about that. You do something for British radio or something, right?
1: Yeah, I do programs for the BBC. I um, actually can't
0: drink this. It's too hot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do. Uh, I do. Well, when I was in England, since we're obviously in New York now, yeah, um, I was doing a short, like, three-minute. Sorry. Excuse me, someone in the audience is making noise. Hi. <laughs> uh, I was doing a short three-minute broadcast called "Pause for Thought" on mm-hmm. on Radio Two, which is like a. It's a breakfast show. It's the most listened-to sh- um, station in the UK because. Wow. It's. All like popular music from not the most current music, but you mm-hmm. know. so it has a really large um, audience. And then I do these long programs called Something Understood on Radio 4, which is more of a um, like it's like uh, co- social commentary, news, drama, like it's like a talk talk radio station. Nice. Um, so yeah. So that's really-
0: so you do that in England. So you grew up in England.
1: Yes. Nice. Tell us a bit
0: about that. Where do you grow up? I mean, some of our viewers remember what Tulsi said, but you you probably have also a different take on how you grew up and stuff like that. A different angle.
1: Yeah. So, well, does everyone know I'm your sister-in-law? I don't know if they do. Yeah, I think most people know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I grew up at Bhaktivedanta Manor. Um, Well, usually when I say that, people assume that it was like we were living in on the property itself, right? Um, But we all most of the most of the people that were part of the community lived nearby um, in surrounding villages and things. It's a very kind of um, rural area, because it's protected farmland Greenbelt. So um, I grew up there, I went to school there at Bhaktivedanta Manor. Uh, If anyone doesn't know, it's a spiritual community, Hare Krishna community. Um, about 15 miles, I think, north of London. Mm -hmm. And um,
0: George Harrison had something to do with it. George Harrison
1: donated the property, yeah, in the 1970s. And so I went to school there, and that was really, um, I think... You know well it's always seems sad if you say the best days of my life and they were in childhood and now you're like and now my life is rubbish <laughs> but um but they're the best days of my life in in many ways um it was a really wonderful time yeah and a very diverse community at the time people from all over the world i was just thinking about that the other day like mm. how you know, even though i wasn't growing up in an urban environment i had that experience of very multicultural you know, environment, people, so many different languages being spoken. Yeah, yeah. And also um, connection with nature, because we were surrounded by nature. There was a lake, there was a forest, and there was a farm, and then we had lots of cows. So after school, we would often go down and be with the cows and play in the hay barn and stuff. So we kind of had that little country type of... Yeah, I guess that's a...
0: That's a stark difference to what you do now. I mean, you're kind of based in New York City now. Yeah,
1: right now I'm based at the Bhakti Center, which is a it's a six-story um, spiritual cultural center mm-hmm. um, in the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And yeah, needless to say, being in the heart of the city is kind of a, you know that an adjustment
0: that, that square uh, that street on First Avenue yeah. and First Street that block is the busiest block in manhattan i've heard really when i you know a few years ago someone told you me that to there was there. A, right i did there was a study that was done of all the you know streets or whatever in manhattan and that one is like the most busy like there, it's never a time where it's like quiet maybe on a sunday morning at 5 a.m i kind of remember it yeah. being really quiet but yeah that's like the busiest street because yeah. there's so many bars so many clubs there's so many restaurants and they're open all night and so yeah. that must be that must really Tough for you sometimes, right? Because growing up in 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 you know rural England and then coming to the busiest street in in Manhattan and living there. Yeah. So like, what is like what is it like for you for the, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone keeps asking me. So how is it being in the city? And I'm like, um, <laughs> it's okay. No, it's really. It's actually. I mean, I couldn't be there if I wasn't staying in a place like the Bhakti Center, which you know, apart aside from it being a it's a building which I don't know how many years it's been now, maybe thirty or forty that it's been owned by Hare Krishna's trying to practice Bhakti Yoga. So, mm-hmm. you know, for that reason, although it's gone through so many evolutions, the walls are kind of saturated with chanting of mantra and mm. you know, all these um it sounds like a hippie kind of thing to say, but positive vibrations. It is positive I think, vibrations. I think, no, no,
0: I agree with that.
1: It's, it's, a, it's a shelter. It's like going into a little oasis. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are things which are difficult about it. I mean, you know, the, it took me a while to get used to all the sounds at night of, you know, outside the window, people right. yelling at each other, <laughs> glass breaking. And not only that, what I find the most noticeable are the sirens, because there's a hospital da- down first avenue a little while down there and and there's all different ambulances throughout the day going but they all have different types of sirens right so i've started like cat- classifying them in my mind like different types of there's a like, musician aren't you there's like a banshee and there's like um video game shoot out it's like oh
0: yeah
1: i know that one oh my god that's really funny and then there's like and so I found, I found at least like seven different types so far. Whoa. Anyway. That's cool. So yeah, a lot and, of noise. And, yeah. Right.
0: And so what do you, what do you do there at the, at the center? Like what are your, you know, what are your responsibilities or what is your kind of, um, like what do you do?
1: Well, right now, I mean, I'm a, I'm still a little new there in one sense. I've just been there since April, but I had some time back in England so, um, so certain aspects of my my role and my service there are still kind of evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, but primarily I'm involved with with sound, with music, um, mm-hmm. with the traditional music of bhakti, which is kirtan. Uh, so I help to um, uh, I'm engaged with kirtan programs. There's different kirtans that happen in the during the week. We're starting some new ones in um, a couple of weeks' time. Mm-hmm. Um, also teaching meditation class, uh, sound meditation. So right now, um, there's a huge boom in interest in things like sound baths and sound healing. A lot of people are into yoga or meditation, a lot of people know about them, but think, Oh, that's not for me, right. But people, you know, everyone knows how to sit back. And close their eyes and listen to something yeah and so sound um, sound experiences particularly for you know relieving stress and uh, re-energizing it's like at least in New York City uh, definitely in London it's a huge deal so we're trying to start some classes like that Wow but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing lots of different things. It's kind right. of diverse right now.
0: You, you always have been into like music and you have a background in uh, writing yeah. and, and you've always been in, in into music and creative things like that. Yeah. right? So yeah. did you ever feel, um, you know, uh, I know we were speaking earlier about how, you know, kind of the balance between doing what you like and kind of um doing to maintain yourself so maybe talk a little bit about that like you kind, you kind of really go to the direction of of doing what you like and what you appreciate mm-hmm. and what brings you happiness mm-hmm. so um what could you say to people who or pe- young people even that like they don't know like yesterday we had a career fair at our local yeah. temple which was really cool it's like kind of groundbreaking we never mm-hmm. ever did that and they were talking about you know Try to do things that you know that you like, um, and that can maintain you as well. But kind of more what you like because you it, you know happiness is more more important than um, than you know just trying to get the job that makes the most money. You know. So
1: yeah. Um, well, I can say I definitely never chased money, which is to my detriment sometimes. Um, really, you think so? Nah. No. <laughs> well, really? I don't know. I mean. Definitely, I I, uh, I haven't you know I haven't been on the same path as a lot of people I know, which by right. now like that's what
0: makes you unique, I think, right?
1: Now I'm you know in my early 30s, and a lot of my friends are now you know owning property or uh, you know at least whatever all the all the kind of things that we we consider kind of making it you know at least to a certain making level making it yeah making mm-hmm. it. Um, but I can say I think you know part of it is growing up in a community as I did. When we were little kids, we were already studying Bhagavad Gita, the sacred text, um, which is heavily, you know, giving this message of um, detachment from material goals. Mm. Um, And of course, you could say, okay, you, you take that in as a child, and then maybe you reject it as an adult, because it's like, well, all right, they say that, but...
0: Right, the reality is... The reality like, is I need you f- to... You know, take care of your family. Of course, need to get food on the of table. Course. and so. that
1: doesn't mean that you are a materialistic person. That's just practicality you right. know, of living in the world. Um, so I, I consider myself extremely fortunate that somehow I ended up having the opportunity to do what I love because I recognize that it's really not the case for everyone. Um, definitely. Definitely majority of people get driven by circumstance more than choice Mm -hmm. um, for one reason or another. And I I mean, for me, I was, I was always creative and artistic, but I I never had much confidence that that was like a career path for me, for some reason, maybe because I was never one of those kids who really worked hard at something like I was very diverse. I, mm. I played the violin. I was into writing, into drawing um, all kinds of creative pursuits we, we Tulsi and I, my sister, we, we did dance, pursued dance very um, heavily during a certain time. Um, but none of them were like a thing to the degree where because I did so many things you know many teachers used to say like you know you need to give up some things because Mm. you're just like a jack of all trades like i remember my dance teacher called me to her office one time and she was like you know you're really good i want you to join my professional company but you have to give up music and all these other things because how are you going to actually excel at something if you don't focus your energy and and she was right i think in a way and it, it really It really made a big impact on me, and I felt kind of terrible, actually, about myself. I felt like, why am I interested in so many different things? Why can't I just narrow it down? So by the time I went to university, I was kind of thinking, well, yeah, probably I shouldn't do music. Probably I shouldn't do art, um, which were two things that I really loved. And I loved writing, and and everyone was kind of like, yeah, you know, that would be something that you can... Do something with later. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs>
0: Wow.
1: I'm like, yeah, okay. I can p- do something. What that something is, I'm not sure. Um. So I started my degree, and like a year in, I was, I was like, well, this is it's interesting, but I really don't know what I want to. I don't know where this is leading, and I wanted to give up. But I also, I'd had this, you know, in in my youth, I had this impression of myself that I gave up on things very easily. Right. And at that age, I was like, "No, I, I want to prove it to myself that I can finish something nicely. Mm. So I pushed through and I finished it and I got really good marks. But in my final months, I was like, I have no idea what I want to do after this. And yes. I was just basically thinking, I'll probably do temping. Do you call it that here? Temping. Uh... like basically yeah temporary work in the office you know, yeah, like receptionist or whatever photocopying stuff for people All right i thought at least i can earn some money and you know figure things out and it was that time the the three years that i was in university during the summers i had started um coming to the states and doing these uh bus tours the iscon youth bus tours mm-hmm
0: we get on a bus and get with a bunch bus. of other kids, yeah. and travel travel over.
1: all over the states and Canada, and we were presenting spiritual culture in you know um, a very charming way. We were doing dramas and you know serving at various temples that we would visit, and for me it was it was profoundly transformational experience. I yeah. I, I gained so much confidence. I started to. Um, really be confident with playing my violin in the kirtan, which is something that I really hadn't done before Uh meeting other people, my age who had grown up in the same way as I had. And also just getting, getting a taste for, for that specifically, like presenting spiritual culture. um, In, in, I mean, we would do it wherever we were, whether it was like, you know, Thunder Bay, Canada, or, you know, what, what you might consider to be a little bit middle of nowhere. Right. Or, or, you know, Los Angeles on the beach on Venice Beach. And so I, I remember by the second time I went on it at the last performance of the tour. Um, I just like after the performance, I we were at the temple and I went in front of the altar. And I remember just like sobbing and sobbing with gratitude that I felt like I've had the opportunity all summer long to do something that I really love. I've, I've been able to be artistic and creative and in just such a wonderful way, you know. Mm. And so I guess the seed was planted to, to want to do stuff like that. So when I, in my final year at university, I got a phone call um, from Gauravani, who some people know, you know, very famous uh, kirtan leader and, multi-dimensional artist himself right. he said yeah we're gonna do this thing called a Montrology tour all over the states and we need musicians right and it was like it was like um, a month before I was about to graduate mm. I was like um, okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you were gonna do it after you graduated and go on this tour
1: yeah but I ended up I missed my graduation I just like didn't care about it at all I just yeah I didn't go to I, mine either I, I so many people don't like <laughs> Yeah, so I went on that tour, and basically that was the beginning. Actually, this uh, month is um, basically 10 years to to the month that I kind of started out on that, uh, wow. that journey with doing this, and so it's been it's been quite a long time, and mm-hmm. and I honestly never imagined that I'd still be doing these kind of things. I kind of just thought. Yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. I'll do it for a little while. That's really
0: interesting that you didn't um, you picture yourself doing it for that long. I
1: didn't. And I actually, I, 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 did the, I did some of the tours and then I would go back to England. And I still had in my mind that, okay, I'm going to get like a normal job. Really? But I actually got a job as an editor of, a, of an arts magazine. Um, and I, before I started, commenced the job. Because I'd been doing freelance work as a, as a writer and kind of journalist on the side, which I still do. Um, so before I got the job, I came over here to do some other kirtan um, engagements and things. And then when I was here, I was due to go back and I just had this like strong gut feeling that I'm meant to be here for some reason and I, I think I'm meant to stay here. So for the first time in my life, I did something like, bad which was miss my flight on purpose (laughs) i'd never done you know i'm like very much like i like to do things right and follow the rules i'd never done anything like that i was just like okay i'm not gonna go and i had no idea about you know a plan of anything but i just kind of thought i'm meant to stay here so that was kind of for me it was an intentional moving away from something that would have been much more dependable. It was a full-time job and, you know, it would have been kind of predictable and it's still kind of, it it can be kind of scary to be on this path of what we say uncertainty. And I know for many people having a career, it's, it's certain it's, it's a, a, you know, an opportunity for certainty. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we, 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 we desire because well, we need it in so many ways, practically. And, yeah. um, definitely not an illusion that, you know, I could kind of live in this way forever. But there are a lot of people in the world who increasingly also, you know, freelancers or people who have this what they call portfolio career, mm. that they do different things. And it's not the most certain of paths to, to walk, but there's a huge, huge benefit to to doing what you feel you you really it's aligned with your sense of purpose definitely and and a mission in life Mm. there's there's really nothing like it like you find that you can tolerate a lot of other things for the sake of you know doing something that you really care about there's some percentage of
0: that I read the other day was, like, people who don't like their job and would just, like, fantasize about quitting. It was, like, some huge amount. Like 98% or something? No, it wasn't that much, but it was something, like, over 50%. Wow. Like, over 50% go to their, you know, are in their jobs or they're just thinking, like, dreading going to work or dreading, you know, or just, like, dreading their boss and they want to leave and they want to change careers or they want to do something drastic. Like, that's... There's something messed up with our society it's that it's terrible. like that. Like it's terrible. But but uh, again, you know, we have to be practical as well. Like people have to maintain themselves and stuff. But sometimes I feel like, you know, as you know, believers believers of God and having faith in God that you know that if you do something, if you follow your heart and you follow you know what your duty is, then um, that He will help you. You know, kind of get into a place that it's comfortable for you and that's Definitely. inspiring. But also to find inspiration, not just in work, but also in your own spirituality outside of work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so
1: I want to say something. Sure. An yeah. Interesting point that I heard about that. I was listening to a class the other day, and this point was raised that um, from a spiritual perspective, your maintenance doesn't come from your income. And I found that to be mm. such a nice, like, su- succinct way of expressing it. my maintenance does not come from my income wow if if we all deeply understood that and and had faith in that what a different place the world would be yeah because when i think that by this 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 and this i get x amount of money therefore i can live a certain life Mm. then you're really bound to to do whatever it is that you're doing that's giving that that income and i'm not definitely not kind of passing judgment on people that live in that way because it's completely understandable. The world is a very harsh place and particularly in America where you see that it's not as much as in Europe that the government kind of protects people that aren't so well financially situated. Yeah, yeah. Um, Particularly in America, it seems like, you know, you got to be on the ball. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, you can very quickly be ground into the (laughs) dust. Yeah. Um, But but I really... I, I like to I like to think about this a lot because I think it's a revolutionary idea in today's world and um, if more of us kind of think about it and talk about it, even if we're not fully able to be in that place, you know even if it's a transitional space or we have to still work jobs, but getting into that consciousness that my maintenance Definitely. doesn't come from my income yeah, you know yeah, yeah. That, that that the wealth that is due to me by past actions and by you know, Divine grace is going to come to me regardless of what I do. Not that that means you're complacent, but it's definitely it's it's, it's predetermined to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, what was it like, um, just going back? Um, I understand, you know, that when you're when you grow up as a Hare Krishna. There has to be. I mean, even from my own experience, that you have to you have to choose at some point to be a Hare Krishna devotee. It's not that just you just grow up in it and then it's just like automatic. Yeah. Of course, there's like some type of choice of uh, that you have to make to, you know, to accept a, your faith and to really embrace it and stuff. So, uh, where when was it for you where you or was or you did not maybe you didn't have that, but but where was it for you where you kind of embraced it more than. It was just something that your parents did
1: yeah yeah it's a question that i get asked quite a bit because i think people see someone like me and that i've um that i'm kind of in a in quite a public way like um trying to also share spiritual spiritual teachings and yeah. and so they're like you know what did your parents do <laughs> uh, <laughs> raising you and and my parents are like mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, yeah, I definitely had that very normal trajectory of, like, um, questioning things. I never really rejected it fully, mm-hmm. um, but it was more passive, you know, like, I do this, 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 because my parents do, and that's, right. that's just what we do in mm. our community. Um, but there was definitely a point when I was kind of 17, 18. Yeah. Um, I'd already... I'd already gone off the beaten track in my education choices. I'd kind of, I'd had a really rough experience of trying to go to public school um, and hating it like so much that I kind of made myself sick because it was just like, I just hated it so much. I felt like it was really difficult for me to feel that I could be myself because we'd been kind of cultivated in a certain soil, you could say, and use it like a, a kind of garden analogy. We'd, we'd grown up in a certain soil and then being like transplanted into something completely different. It yeah. was like a huge culture shock. And I, the effect that it had on me was that I just became completely withdrawn. I became like a blank sheet of paper. I didn't know how to speak about you know, who I was or what my beliefs were. And I found that kids were very, very ignorant of other faiths and you know, traditions. Like, I went to a like, pretty good school, but it was very Christian and Jewish and quite wealthy kids. Mm-hmm. So by the time I made it through that long, dark tunnel of like school and teenage years, I was really, I'd I'd like chosen to do part of my education by evening classes. I was working on my own and all this stuff. And so I felt like I was far off the beaten track. And so I guess it was a natural thing at a certain point that I had that independence to start thinking, well, okay, now what do I think about my spiritual life? Mm -hmm. So I remember when I was 18, I started um, listening to some lectures, which, you know, when you're growing up, that was like really not the cool thing to do. (laughs) In the morning when the lecture would begin if we were at the temple yeah. like all the young people would leave and of course you yeah. know we wouldn't do anything like kind of like that would show you had enthusiasm for <laughs> mm. um so i started listening to lectures um of his holiness satchinanda swami and i i hadn't really heard from him much before it really touched me It really awakened like a, a genuine interest mm. um and so I started downloading them. It was like my private little thing. I would like, as I would walk around, I had my first iPod and I would listen <laughs> to them. And, uh, and I started to chant uh, Japa um, on the mala, Japa mala, um, which also was another thing that was like, you don't want to do it. If your parents <laughs> ask you to do it. Um, well,
0: like from like the other, like your peers.
1: Or from your peers. Yeah. Those things were not cool at all. Interesting, um, and uh and also i knew like you know my dad was always keen to see that we were doing that kind of thing of course and then of course your parents make a huge deal about it if you do it so yeah. i didn't want to do it dad yeah <laughs> <It's tough out>. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna do it now just because yeah. you said that right right <laughs> um but I started chanting and I was kind of like, I wanted to chant. I started being thinking like, yeah, my parents have been doing this for a really long time. So maybe, you know, there's really something in it. I wanted to chant every day, but then I would chant one round every day and then I would stop and then I would chant two and then I would stop. And I just kind of felt like, yeah, I'm never going to really manage to do this. Um, But but the kind of the seed was planted and I I started doing those things much more of my own accord and going for a walk and chanting japa and things like that. And I think something just woke up in me, this kind of curiosity and interest Um, and a huge two two factors were really big. One was these bus trips Um, It gave me a taste for. Service actually, um, service in the spirit of devotion, mm. and and with with peers, which I hadn't really, at least as a, as a young adult, I hadn't really kind of tasted it, mm. um, and being at festivals and all these things, but really being part of it, really being needed as as a as one of the team, mm. um, which I grew up in such a large community that I think. As, as it is naturally in big places you know n- not everyone feels needed because there's simply not you know there's enough people to do everything and young people often get that kind of you know they're just kind of there right um, so that was a huge thing for me and then the second thing was um, a, an encounter I had meeting uh, someone who many people have heard of Yamuna Devi Right. right. Um, uh, who was you know one of the first disciples of Srila Prabhupada and and uh, and, and her um, companion who she was living with Dina Tarine, Devi Dasi. Um, the two of them together meeting them um, in two thousand and five when I was eighteen. It was only like a kind of like a twenty four hour thing. We, we 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 stayed with them in the the Sharanagati Valley in British Columbia where they lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but the experience was there... They're such incredible um, yeah, pers- personalities, really. You know, even leaving aside the devotional um, aspect of who they are, which you can't really, because that's really who they are. But you know, just as people, as as accomplished, you know, people, they're incredible people. But um, in terms of their devotional, spiritual life, they've um, just. Uh, they they were they were practicing with such depth and such sincerity and heart and my encounter with them w- left me feeling like whoa it's like a curtain got pulled back and i was kind of like wow i want to experience that amazing like, what they're what they're practicing what they're tasting i, I want to taste that mm. and i remember we were driving away and i said t- to my mom like Makes me feel like I want to be a devotee. You know, wow. it's really you're really affected it was, by it their really, association. It really affected me. Amazing. Not only at the association, but the the whole experience of the, the ambience ambiance of their their home. Their home was their home was um, built according to the principles. <clears throat> excuse me, of Vastu, which for people that don't know is kind of like the feng shui of India. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, it was built according to that. According to Vastu, from scratch. It's wow. a straw bale um, home and, the you know, it was the ground, uh, I mean, the floor was all like beaten earth and um, it had like a skylight and everything, every little detail in that home was um, devotionally focused and with such aesthetic detail and taste. And wow. it was just like this otherworldly experience where mm. everything is revolving around Krishna, basically, and... And I just felt like this is just, it, it, it just was an, an experience unlike anything I'd ever had before. Wow, maybe. So I just felt like I was kind of charged after that. And uh, yeah, I, I continued to try and seek out their, their company, um, which, which proved to be something really um, char- character forming in my life and shaped, shaped my life, I would say right at a young age so she fun.
0: was the she was one of the most um, you could say uh, prominent lady disciples of Srila Prabhupada the yeah. s- the society's um, you know main the who who started iskon yeah. um,
1: definitely who was publicly visible and very much at the forefront
0: right right um, i feel like there's a good segue into what i wanted to ask you Sorry. about <laughs> uh, about um, kind of like women's roles and women in krishna consciousness. So do you ever, you know, there's always the there's always a uh,
1: dollar question.
0: Right, yeah. Uh there's always how do I word this? Um there is kind of this uh you could say you know, conception that maybe that women are, you know, um meant to feel um, inferior or um, some of the things that Prabhupada might have written in the Bhagavad Gita. I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday about the first chapter. Yeah. There's that something written there. Um, so in your experience growing up as a Hare Krishna, mm-hmm. do you feel? did you ever feel that? a sense of that people, you know, that men were kind of seen as more superior or that women were seen inferior or that you had to not do certain things because you were a woman or something like just give us your experience mm-hmm. with that.
1: Um, I think I that's can... something
0: interesting people would like to yeah. hear about. I think also you can... because you're so prominent uh lady in Hare Krishna the Hare Krishna movement, you're like the face, you're like kinda like the face, you know, of the you inspire women. The face
1: of the women's suffragette movement. <laughs>
0: You're like inspiring folks
1: of women's empowerment.
0: Yeah, yeah uh, you could say that you know you, you're, 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 you inspire women because you're very mu- you're very much on the you know um, you're, you're there visible. visible exactly. you're visible to everyone. Yeah. so uh, your experience regarding that would be really yeah. cool to hear.
1: Yeah, um, well definitely you know it's a big topic and it's one that gets like dangled in front of me all the time whenever I get asked to do anything, people are like, yeah, yeah, we really want you to do it because, like, it will inspire the women. And I right, start right. to feel like, well, like, doesn't anything else inspire the women? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but, yeah, so growing up, um, I mean, one thing is that when you grow up in a certain cultural bubble, there's some things you just might not question because you don't, you don't see how it is for other people. So I think... Um, it's not necessarily that I saw women disempowered, or at least I didn't view it like that because I was wasn't there wasn't that narrative that was being kind of told to me. Um, certainly, I didn't see women, you know, leading kirtan much. Really, I didn't really see women giving class. Wow, pretty much almost never, I would say. Well, growing up, growing up. Wow, yeah. I, I saw women um, empowered in certain roles uh, for sure, you know, um, maybe what would be considered traditional, you know, not, not necessarily as speakers, but as people who were um, preaching, to use a traditional term, mm-hmm. uh, preaching, um, you know, organizing, managing, um, things like cooking, you know, cooking huge, quantities for feasts for thousands of people or things like that. I saw women doing those things. um, And I definitely had a lot of women in my life who were, I mean, all the, all of my teachers in school were women and were very strong characters and empowered in their, in their own way for sure. Um, But there were definitely things which women just didn't do. And I never really thought about it because that's just how it was. Um, and then when I got to a certain age, I think I did start wondering, you know, why, why don't women like lead the kirtan in the morning program, or why don't women give Bhagavatam class? Um, and I think, you know, in some places or some context, maybe that was more consciously done, but I think very often we can, we can a culture just evolves in a certain way because of misunderstanding or not empowering people to do something that they're very capable to do. And then that becomes almost like calcified into a a culture that everyone just accepts. Well, this is just why this is just because this is just how things are. You know, there's no reason why a woman shouldn't be giving Bhagavatam class. But as my mom explained, um, very often they just weren't encouraged to do it in her generation. So then by the time you get to kind of my generation, it's kind of just an accepted thing. Like, no one thinks, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, they're women. Like, maybe they're too shy or (laughs) they don't like to do such things, you know, right. And they're like, well, it's not that we don't like to do it. No one ever asks us, you know. Right. So I see that there's a lot of a lot of that. Like, certainly there have been people who really um, take this statement out of context that you know, the classic women are less intelligent, um, which personally doesn't bother me. Those type of statements don't bother me because I've always, um, first of all, not seen that to be the case in the way that people point, paint it out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that women are just really dumb, but they have a different type of intelligence often. And also, I, for me, I see that... Um, You know in this age that we live in now gender roles and even the gender psychology are very mixed up Mm -hmm. there's not these stereotypical kind of things that you might have been able to define much more um, clearly Uh, so anyway that's just a side note Um, but but what i was saying was that i see that it's not often so intentional though, though though there have been many instances where it is but it's just that a culture evolves in that way so I'm kind of I'm really happy that now I mean, you asked me about my experience That's that was my experience in the past that if, if somebody would have asked me to do certain things I would have been like well I don't know because like women don't really do this you know right like when, still when people ask me to give a, a lecture like the traditional temple lecture I feel a bit like uh, <laughs> you know because mm. I just don't see many women doing it and I don't sometimes I don't want to be the flag bearer you know I don't want to be like the person at the front, like, hey, guys, we can all do it. you know? Interesting,
0: because you're so much that person, whether you like it or not. Yeah, right? by default, maybe just because I just
1: happen to be doing those things. And a lot of that is because of, you know, the people that I have grown up with. My elders are very strong women and men. And, and they've given me so much love and encouragement that I have enough self-confidence to stand in roles where... You know like for instance um there's these big kirtan festivals and you know once i got this feedback that someone was criticizing that oh janavi's you know terrible role model for girls because she's sitting in the middle amongst all these men and they're all looking at her and mm. you know she doesn't have her head covered and this was in india right. you know but they were saying like the girls shouldn't Look to her to be a role model and when i heard that it really because i i always feel that if you ever hear someone talk something about yourself you should accept at least part of it to be true because you should take it as an opportunity to learn right so when i heard that initially i was like i don't want to do those things anymore i don't want to be in those places maybe i'm maybe i'm doing something wrong you know um But then uh, then I I just realized, well, whatever, it's just, you know, maybe people don't understand the thinking of why why I'm doing that. Um, So, yeah, by some way or another, people see me as that or put me up to that. Right. Um, But sometimes I don't want to. I'm quite a shy person in one way. And I and I it sometimes feels quite awkward to like be put in that space. Mm -hmm. But I'm really happy that more and more people are aware of it and people are just encouraging girls um, within the Hare Krishna world to feel fully empowered to perform all different kinds of roles and functions. Because certainly it's kind of a weird thing. Like I say to people sometimes, I feel more aware of being a woman when I walk into a Hare Krishna temple than I do walking down the street in New York City. Right, of you course. Know? Of yeah. course. Yeah. It's just like that. Yeah. You know, the, this, the way society is today, it's, it's a lot more free in a certain way. Right.
0: Going back to, like, uh, how you were saying how, you know, we're saying how you're kind of like the face of, uh, you know, of ISKCON women. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I kind of just made that up on the spot, actually.
1: (laughs) Now Um, it's going to get quoted. Namras (laughs) Stas. But um,
0: I, you know, how do you deal with all the, you could say, fame or kind of the exposure that you have to like so many people like whether it be social media or even in person people asking you to come different places and stuff you seem like you're you seem like you're not affected so much by that i mean i know you quite closely so i i can i can tell you that you're not affected by it i feel like maybe maybe inside you are but i don't know from what i see it's like you're not you you take it really gracefully i i feel so what things do you um maybe what i'm trying to say is like how do you deal with that like how do you deal with all the exposure that you have
1: um well it's a it's a weird thing it's kind of like um i think if i had i mean somebody once said to me and again this is one of these things that when someone says something even if you immediately like that's not true then when I reflect on it, I'm like, let me take. What it's kind of true, maybe. Yeah. So somebody once said to me, and some, it was someone that was close. They were like, you know, you're experiencing all this fame. Like you wouldn't get that if you hadn't been desiring it in some way. So you must have really wanted it. Whoa! And initially I was like, I was like, that is not true at all. I definitely didn't want it. I don't. I I hate it sometimes. Right. And then I started thinking, and I was like, actually, yeah. Deep down, maybe I do. You know, maybe because we all get quite attracted to being seen, to being appreciated, and you know, praised, and all of these things. Right. Even if I don't consciously want it now, I'm sure that in a in a deep space in my heart, I, I'm very happy about you know being glorified in whatever way. Right. But I can say that on a, on a, on a, kind of level more of the spiritual intelligence which I've. I've try, I try to cultivate, you know, by hearing and um, reading and, and talking with those who are much more advanced than me. I understand that fame is something which is, um, I mean, it's just ridiculous, really, what, what it is and the experience of it. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly someone that, ha- that really helped me with this was Yamuna Devi. Because I think she saw, you know, whether she was someone that could see what could happen in the future or she just had a deep intuition. Um, somehow she seemed to know that I would be experiencing this more and more in my life because she passed away about, I think it's six years ago now, or, or seven years ago. Um, and m- much of my interaction with her was when I was kind of, you know, 18, 19, you know, really till I was maybe like 25 or something. So, but even from the beginning, like as she saw me being kind of, Pushed forward to do things. She, w- she would really, really warn me and, and, and actually engage me in re- a lot of discussion and reflection on it. One, many times she used to pull out this book um, called Amrita Vani. It's uh, instructions of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur in a conversational format. Wow. And, and we would read it together, and she would particularly focus on this Pratishta, um, you know, fame right, right. section, and and then we would discuss it. And she kind of like drilled it in, in a very loving way, mm. that you have to be extremely careful about it and, um, and sharing even her experience. You know, she said to me one time that it really went in deep, she said, fame and infamy are just two sides of the same coin. So right, yeah. actually, you know, one is, one is glorification, the other is just people talking about you. Both are people talking about you. Yeah, you know, and the experience ultimately is is just that. Like it's that's kind of all it's good for. Yes, you can use it for something, um, but it's definitely not something to to treasure because you can feel you can feel so strongly how the ego responds. You know, it just inflates when someone starts to you know praise you, and uh, until you start to develop a mental discipline of actually handing it on. So I think when I was a lot younger, I I didn't realize what was coming ahead, but I was getting kind of trained for that, you know, to try and like, try and just bypass it. You know, like when you have a, you know, a spiritual teacher, a guru, you just kind of take whatever praise is, comes your way and you can envision it like a flower. You just put it at their feet. And mm-hmm. I tried to do that. Um, but at the same time, it is something quite strange m- many times because normally, um, unless you're talking about people in the media like celebrities, I mean, these days you can become famous for doing anything. You can become a YouTube star oh, yeah. just for you know sneezing in a funny way or whatever. <laughs> it might be. Um, so that's the way the world is. Mm. Um, but taking the you know the Hari Krishna world as a microcosm of of. The bigger world right you know when when you have things like the internet and and social media youtube you can become a hari krishna celebrity very easily now Mm -hmm. you know you just
0: like the little kids who you uh, sing
1: something in a like yeah yeah (laughs) nice way with a video and then suddenly you know everyone knows who you are and you're getting invited to kirtan mela and so so fame, because it's such a small world in a sense, there's probably only a million people, I don't know how many, but... Maybe um, less even. Maybe less who are Hare Krishna, who are practicing that bhakti yoga path, specifically Gaudiya Vaishnava. Um, you can become really well known amongst that society. And and so I, I guess I've been able to see the the kind of silliness of that. And, mm. and like, for instance, one year I went to Kirtan Mela and literally almost from one year to the next, like I used to be able to go to pilgrimage places like Mayapur and Vrindavan. And I, of course I was completely anonymous. Like no one knew who I was. I was just some girl, you know, from England. And then suddenly it was like, I went for, I went for uh, the, the Kartik period. And there was all these people like mobbing me for my autograph and for my autograph, like a lot. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. This is just weird. Why do you want this? And I said I said to the, these these people, they were like, Oh like oh and I was like, why do you want my signature? Like
0: Because I'm, you're Namras' sister-in-law. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm famous Murdanga player Namras. And and uh, or like in Mayapur, I remember I was there for the Kirtan Festival and people were like coming up to me with their children and wanting me to bless their children <laughs> really paying obeisances no. to me bowing down to me, Whoa. and it was really uncomfortable, and actually, after that year, I, w- I, I felt like, actually, I don't want to come here again, I don't want to be here in places where people are doing these things, because it's just, it's just um, it's weird, Yeah. Um, but at the same time, um, and, and the other thing I was going to say about that is that usually amongst a spiritual society, you become famous for your spiritual advancement. But because of the way the world is going now, you can become famous for just like singing really nice or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and that and that cheapens it as well because you're definitely. not famous for something really worthy, which is having like great depth and s- spiritual kind of insight. Yeah. Um, it's just like, oh, she dresses so nicely. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't mean to say that in an Indian accent, a <laughs> fake Indian accent. But there's definitely a lot of people from India that watch YouTube and, of course, you
0: know, yeah. It's part of the. It's part of the new culture. Part of the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I was also wanted to talk to you about. Um, you were saying about kirtan, so you know you're yeah. you're very obviously you know very influential. You you have you do kirtan and you're very good at it and you're very musically inclined as well. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> but I'd like to know. I think also like um, maybe some things that you don't like about. Uh, you know, being in the forefront of the kirtan scene as well. Or what, like you were saying, how, you know, spiritual advancement and as well as you could just be, uh, you know, you could just be musically very inclined. Yeah. But and but those two things are kind of jumbled up and made into one that, you know, you're getting flown all over the world. Like, uh, you know, you could be Joe Schmo, but you're just like a sick kirtan leader. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you just get flown over and you do all kinds of nonsense, blah, blah, blah. So yeah. I know there's a whole, you know, people... Argue about this endlessly on yeah. Facebook and debate about it. Yeah. Uh, so, we So. Should probably
1: do a whole episode just. about Yeah, this. we
0: can do. What's our time looking like? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Tulsi's uh manning the the laptop. She doesn't know anything about it. That's the mouse. Yes. Uh, fifty. A fifty. Okay. Okay. Um, we can make it another episode. This could be just intro. Intro. But yeah, I'd like to kind of also just dive into that a little bit, yeah. like, um. So yeah, whatever I said previously,
1: (laughs) speak now. Yeah, again, like, I think the the kirtan scene is like a new thing, you know, Mm -hmm. having an international kirtan scene that this is all things that are facilitated by the internet, and and international travel, um, to be able to have this kind of global network of Kirtan leaders and of course, you know, maybe it would if you didn't have those things, it could happen on a much smaller scale, a local level, and it might come about in a similar way. But the Internet and an international, you know, easy flight travel, it amplifies it um, that with the increase in popularity of Kirtan, both within the Hare Krishna community and and in the mainstream kind of yoga and well-being culture, um yeah it becomes a thing i know I, I was talking to one disciple of srila Prabhupada the other day and he was like you know now you have to be you have to be a singer like to lead a kirtan like you have to be good singer yeah otherwise no one cares and good i was point. kind of i was trying to encourage him and because he's such a wonderful devotee and actually he does sing really well yeah um
0: but he's not the one who's he's not going to be to ask first asked. or he anything. doesn't get us right no, right and
1: he's and he's you
0: know, I find a problem with. I find I, that I problematic. Have problem.
1: I have a problem with that too. Yeah. But there, but there's. It's complicated. It can be complicated, um, and and the complexity is also that now there's kind of a there's kind of a desire of a lot of people to be the kirtan leader to be seen. Like I was at this Sadhusanga festival in America some months back. And, you know, they have the kirtan leader and then they have, because it's on a stage, which we can get into that as well another time. Right. um, They have a stage. (laughs) They have what, what we what we call now, like it's like almost like a codified thing. The backup mics, you know, the backup singers. Yeah. To kind of do the response vocals, which is another of my pet peeves um sometimes what
0: singing into the mic as backup a mics like yeah a, no, i'm a not thing, that either. as
1: a thing I, i'm a, just gonna agree with you on there's anything a, <laughs> <here>. <laughs> there's a time and a place for it for sure but I, right. I i don't like it as a kind of like it always has to be there yeah um so people were coming up to me like because i was also asked to be the mc flying the women's empowerment flag Woo! Uh, <laughs> um people were coming up to me like oh um uh, can I also can I come and sing for the next kirtan? Like can I be on the mic, sing in the mic? Yeah. And just just random, you know, anyone that was there. And, mm-hmm. and and I felt this um this kind of this pressing urge, like I also want to be seen. I also want to be like live streamed on my or TV and have everyone yeah. see me singing in a microphone. And so um, yeah, it's a it's a kind of a an unusual it's not unusual. It's not a. Any- <laughs> it's just it. It's actually just it's human nature, you know. There, there's, there's a culture evolving, which is another space to to see and be seen. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it happens to be related to kirtan, which happens to be amongst Skandia Vaishnavas our number one activity that we that we know is you know if there's one thing we're all going to agree on, it's we should be doing kirtan. Mm-hmm. So, I definitely think that. You know, kirtan should be going on in in every and any form because I believe in the the purity and the potency of the mantra, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that is um, kind of sullied or or um, brought down by any number of different things which might be, you know, not really best practice, best kirtan practice. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's there's two to a huge degree there needs to be more thoughtfulness to the way that the kirtan culture evolves from this point onwards um to our understanding of what is actually happening when when a kirtan is being um performed and i use that word in the the you know the original sense to to perform something to do something right um, that it's not a performance although there's also a space for that devotional yeah, performance yeah you do
0: that for like a completely new audience and yeah. people who don't know anything about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also for the purpose of devotional arts, which is also, a, you know, it's a very, very important aspect of culture. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're kind of speaking about it generally, where there specific things that you you had in mind
0: um also i mean see when you said devotional art it, r- it reminded me of someone had shared this you know there's there's on each side of this you know discussion there's always like people who have different views so the people always pull out the quotes you know Prabhupada, like why do, why are you doing this road show you know we are not interested in this road show just chant Hari krishna at the time temp- i don't know i don't know the quote but it was basically like putting down or, or kind of throwing a cherry picking a quote of Prabhupada yeah. that says, Don't travel around and do Kirtan like um what did it what was it say? Do you remember that quote? Well
1: Srila Prabhupada as far as I understand the story, Srila Prabhupada stopped the roadshow because certain things had become innovative to the point of being a bit wild. Right, right. And there was kind of very careless mixing of men and women and other things were coming about. But before that, he was very encouraging of it and he actually Right, really there are other liked quotes. That they were doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so that I guess my point is the cherry picking of quotes to 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 kind of, you know, you your own agenda of what side of the discussion or argument you're on. Yeah,
1: yeah. And there's there's going to be endless opinion about this um, kind of, you know, for anything that has everyone's attention focused on it, and and there's also the opportunity for people to be to see and be seen. There's mm. going to become like, and also because we we yeah. because we take seriously the spiritual purity of that activity, so Definitely. naturally there's going to be debate and it's going to be quite heated oftentimes, um, which I think is good because that means there's life there. When when you discuss things, it mm-hmm. means we we care about it and we're trying to get to the bottom of. What is the best way to do this? I mean, an interesting quote I want to just mention is um, from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. He said that, I, I, I'm still trying to find out where this quote comes from because it was shared with me by senior devotee, but that um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said that the playing of instruments and singing, he used this word, that it's, that it's the it can be the ultimate vice, but when engaged in the right way, it can be the highest form of worship. Wow. And I, I, I always find that an amazing um, kind of, uh, you know, well, I can't think of the word, polarization of the two things, that that they're so far from each other, the greatest vice or the highest form of worship. Yeah. So why is that? And, and, and yeah, that's such a, that is, yeah, is really important.
0: That line to, you know, that to keep things pu- to keep things pure and really spiritually uh, strong but at the same time uh, you know having good exposure and um, what am I trying to say? I forgot my train of thought. Um,
1: the line is the line is a fine one to, to
0: uh, yeah yeah because like for in your example like you you have a very strong spiritual practice as well as being very strong uh, in, in kirtan and doing kirtan. So those two things are very, go hand in hand, I think, for someone. Uh, I, I lost my train of thought again. And What were we talking about before that?
1: <laughs> um, I was saying that uh, it's really important, you know, to have, like, debate well that that, that oh debate that, right right yeah that these two things the the greatest vice or the greatest the highest form of worship yeah
0: yeah it, i'm yeah that's that's really true that it can be you know both things um also i wanted to ask you about you know the one of the main main debates i remember a, a number of years ago was like kirtan for money mm-hmm. so you know, there was a side of, you know, that's saying, okay, we want to do kirtan. But we want to maintain ourselves. That If we don't, if we can't do kirtan, then we'll have to get out. We have to get jobs and then we can't do as much kirtan yeah. as we want to. Yeah. And then it's this other side is like, no, it doesn't matter. You know, do get a job, but then do kirtan purely without, yeah. you know, for money and stuff. Yeah. So what, what was your kind of, I'm sure you were doing kirtan a lot during that period of time. Yeah. Uh, traveling and yeah. whatnot. So... Yeah, like, tell us a bit about that. Like, yeah. Where were you during that whole that discussion? Debate. Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, like, in one sense, I was I was young enough to not be, like, so heavily concerned about um, bills to pay and stuff like that. So right. I would do these programs as a part of a group and we would get given a donation and I would accept whatever I was given. I, I often had no idea. I mean, I'm not the most financially switched on person anyway. Right. But I often had no idea, like, what the amount was and I, I would just put it all together and I never was calculating anything so in, in one sense for me I felt like I was a little bit padded from that situation where someone does you know maybe have a family and they're having to, to provide for their children and their wife and they're really in anxiety about how to do that as well as perform this service that might not happen if I don't if I don't do it right so but I mean firstly what I, I what always kind of peeves me about this debate is that often the people that are criticizing are not really being confronted with this thing of how to you know kind of perform that type of service as well as maintain some kind of livelihood um, many times at least my in my experience i heard the criticism coming from very young people often boys who were kind of just like, well, I'm, just, yeah, I'm, I'm doing something which is right. I'm gonna be in an ashram and I'm just gonna chant. Oh right, and yeah. That kind of, I'm not gonna, you know, get into specifics, but right. that that often a lot of criticism was coming from that direction. Right. And and I I firstly I just I just don't like that type of mentality. I mean I'm a, I'm definitely a critical person also in the sense that I, I do look at things critically and I have a tendency to find fault with things and how this could be better. Um, but I think that if we have that propensity, we have to use it in a positive way. You know, if you, first of all start with yourself. First of all, examine your own heart and your own motives for what you do, and and really that's that's the most important place to be um, focusing anyway in terms of spiritual practice. Mm. Um, because you, it's not your business to be generally. It's not your business to be correcting what somebody else does. Such a good point. Um, but but. Uh, on that point of yeah, kirtan and money, I think bhakti is a bhakti yoga is um, a path that a spiritual path that is there's subtlety to it. You know, it's not all black and white. It's a it's a path that is based on the heart, mm-hmm. and it's so much about your consciousness and your intention. So, Definitely. what is right for one person is not going to be right for another person. You know, if someone is a sadhaka, a strong spiritual practitioner, and they're doing a certain activity which is impacting hundreds of thousands of people, but they need to maintain a living and they need to, you know, bring a certain amount of money, then they're going to have a different type of consciousness than someone that's like, oh, I really want to be famous and I couldn't make it in the real music world so the Kirtan world looks pretty easy going, you know, yeah. let me just uh, get out on the road and I'll be famous. But even if that is their mentality, is it, do we, do I need to judge that or is there a higher power than me who is seeing everything, who has eyes everywhere, yeah. <laughs> who's going to see and who's going to give an opportunity for that person to correct their mentality and Surely that's going to happen anyway, you know. I think I think there's often this this kind of like overinflated sense of responsibility in everyone that we've got to like make things, kind of fix everything. You know, I, I definitely am cause, guilty of that because I'm the one who has you know the the, the greatest understanding of how yeah, things totally. should be. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But um, if 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 we are practitioners of this particular you know tradition, or any any spiritual tradition, you know we believe that God is is omniscient, and is within and without, and is seeing everything and, and has, you know, an unfathomable depth of love for every living being, then why would he not want us to be corrected in the way that we're, you know, he would want us to be transformed and reformed. So everyone is going to go on that that road in a different way. Mm -hmm. But it is certain people's position to do that correction. And those are, you know, gurus and people who are leaders so yeah but, so, at least personally my feeling about it is you know, is still evolving because for me personally for kirtan um, I've never like said you need to give me a certain amount for doing something right I always say like I need to cover the expense of, of coming somewhere um, but I otherwise I just accept whatever a, a donation is But I don't have, you know, dependence in my life. And if I did, I might if I if I if it came to it, I might actually I I grapple with this a lot because a lot of people tell me now at this point, okay, you've got to be more financially stable. And so sometimes I feel like, well, I'd rather not do that type of activity if I have to attach, you know, um, a, a monetary like specific monetary need to it. I'd rather keep the two things separate for me personally, mm. um, but at the same time, I can see that that's not always the best. That's not always serving best because it's true that we, what, coming back to what we were talking about before, that a lot of people are bound in careers and jobs where they really have almost no time to do this kind of thing. Yeah, but there's an urgent need in the world for you know spiritual sound vibration for uplifting. Um, philosophy to be shared. So if certain people are going to kind of take the risk of putting themselves out there to do that, yeah, yeah. Um, then maybe it can be uh, even up to the broader community to try and help to financially support them. Yeah, but that's This a- is something I've been talking about with certain friends who are much more in that difficult position than I am. You know, they're wondering what about the patronage of the broader, you know, Hare Krishna community to support people who are putting their life on the line really to, to do it because it's that's a whole you know, discussion that's a whole big discussion and yeah. I'm sure you might have other guests on who might talk about that definitely more.
0: definitely so let's wrap it up here um, I think we're coming up to the end I just wanted to ask you a few questions um, tell us something about yourself that people may not know
1: is this a quick fire round? could be um uh people might not know well people often like i find that people kind of paint me as this like very pure devotee kind of i don't know <laughs> <So you> tell
0: <told, laughs> so you want to tell that funny story <laughs> <Your paper knows. laughs>
1: yes, <nobody knows. laughs> no no but i think people i don't i think people maybe aren't aware of how much i'm kind of like aware of popular culture and engage with it so maybe something they don't know about me is that I kind of I'm very like musically ab- absorbent and I pick up a lot of different music or um, just just yeah co- popular culture art, film, these different things Right. so people often get shocked when I like quote songs or they're like how do you know about that?
0: How do you know that song by the notorious B.I.G. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or whatever it may be. Yeah, I know. Uh, You're a
0: big rap fan, I heard. <laughs> Hip hop. <laughs> yeah. No, no she's really.
1: really not. No, I'm really not. But uh, yeah, I can sing a lot of Disney songs, which is bit <laughs> embarrassing. <God>. You probably <laughs> shouldn't have said that. I was with Jay Jagannath, who you you had on before. Yeah, yeah. And we were on our way back from an event, and we were talking about this because he was really shocked that like we were talking about some music. Oh yeah little Gorachandra was Tulsi sent a video of him playing and, and I said oh that's the um it's like an overture from the music for Romeo and Juliet which is a ballet a very old ballet and he was like oh and and Vera was like no I thought it was the um the, the star that's the star wars theme tune no and I was like no star wars is and I started singing the tune and 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 they were like whoa how do you know that uh, and and then he was like, no, but what about Harry Potter? And then I was singing the Harry Potter thing to. They were like, whoa! And then, and then on the way back, which I Jagannath, and I we were singing the um, we were singing the song from the Disney film Pocahontas. Mm. And anyway, it was we were both surprised. I was surprised that he knew all the words, and he was surprised <laughs> that I knew all the
0: probably shouldn't uh, admit all that anyways, okay next question where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: oh my god well the other day um, there's a wonderful uh, person at the bhakti center who's a yoga teacher Jai Giridhari Jai, and he did this meditation with us in a yoga class of going back like first 3 years, 5 years, 10 years And I was kind of like, oh my God, I realized I've been doing the same thing for quite a long time now. Like I haven't really changed even my aspirations and things. They haven't changed that much, um, which you could either see as a bad thing or a good thing. But I think I wouldn't mind if I was, you know, more or less doing the same thing, but better and uh, maybe, you know, more evolved in all the things that I'm trying to practice to do. Um, But maybe with a, Family or something. Children, maybe. Okay, that's maybe. good.
0: Yeah, very nice. Um, <sighs> Where? Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? In, oh Kirtan? God, In think, Kirtan and also outside of Kirtan? I've been piling
1: a list of pet peeves recently. <laughs> Not for this, but I, I think it kind of crossed my mind that maybe I should share it on the internet. That so. sounds very pessimistic. <laughs> I, know. I do have a lot of pet peeves. Um, I'll share a few with you. Sure. One is people clipping their nails on the on public transport. Oh yeah, I've noticed that. that a lot. You you hear the distinctive sound and then you look around and somebody's just like clipping them onto the floor. I hate that. Uh. Like, or people leaving their hair in places like I'm just I really don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some kind of temple related ones that are pet peeves that I I am happy to speak about because I think it's is kind of a thing. Sure. Um, in the temple room, like when there's the altar and the curtains are open, it's a pet peeve for me when people are like talking in front of the altar or in the temple room about just any random stuff. Yeah. Without really an awareness that this is Radha and Krishna here and you know definitely this 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 is their this is their room you know we're here in their presence yeah it really really bugs me
0: or if they talk in front of the deities about the deities like "Uh, maybe they should put the flower there instead of there i don't Uh, mind that
1: as much because at least they're thinking about them but like hey so how you been doing Yeah." Yeah, yeah like disrupt your darshan taking it's not even about that it's just i just find it's like really unaware and it it, it kind of bugs me and, yeah and or when they start talking to you like that making oh, yeah, you feel yeah. like you've got to engage in that conversation yeah and the same goes for kirtan when the kirtan ends and then suddenly it's just like blah, 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 blah. like generally i think and i can speak for myself too i know when you're annoyed by something it's usually because that thing is in yourself of course you. of course so
0: although i don't chant japa and kirtan Uh, And and I hate that. I hate that so much. But oh my god, in (laughs) class, and I can hear them chanting. Oh my god, that's really. That's why I made that really famous meme.
1: One time, a senior devotee was was chanting japa in class, but sitting right next to me. I really didn't know what to do (laughs) because I didn't want to correct them, but. I was really the- trying to hear the class, and it was Sri Ram Swami giving class. Yeah. And there was like, <sighs> and I was just like, very dramatically blocking one ear. Really. So realize, but, but, I was gonna say, generally, like, our tongues are flap a lot, you know. Right. We speak a lot of unnecessary things, and that's kind of a, a oh, bit yeah. of a pet peeve. But, mm-hmm. what to do? You know, we're mm. all we're all trying our best. I right.
0: Hope. Okay. Last quick-fire question by Tulsi. Oh, I don't know. That's not what I <laughs> want not you to nice say. not You
1: should have warned me.
0: Um... Anyways, I think that's <laughs> the end. Okay. I don't thank agree, you, I John.
1: To say bye.
0: Thank you for coming on the on the show. We're nice gonna we're, we'll have you on again, recurring guest, because I appreciate your angles on things and. Uh... I'll
1: check my diary and see <laughs> if I have space for you. I'm okay. pretty famous now, so <laughs> I don't know.
0: Um, so just my viewers, thank you so much for, um, tuning, tuning on. And, um, we're going to have, uh, you know, more guests coming on more fre- frequently now
1: that we got this studio space. I want to say something now. Okay. Can I glorify, I'm going to glorify non because, um. Uh, I think we don't have any much time. No, no, no. no we have time. No, no, we have time. Please. <laughs> stop the, stop the, stuff. Um, <laughs> continue, <laughs> no, please no, continue. I, I think I, because I really love this podcast and mm-hmm. I, I think it's really great. And I think Thank you. that you're, you know, to this point that we were speaking about earlier, I know knowing you well, I know that, um, and I hope no one from your job is watching this podcast. No, but, they probably wouldn't.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I know that your job is, you know, your, your career is not something that, you know, fills you with excitement every day, but yeah. you're doing it very dutifully. Um, but you but you really have like things that you really are excited by and you love to do and you try and give your time to those things so i think you're a really good example of of trying to have your feet in those two different worlds of, right. kind of doing your duty but really doing something really creative and exciting and you know your cartoons are another your comics are another example of that thank you people get so inspired and ha- laugh so much from 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 seeing them yeah so i want to just like you know applaud you for for doing that and setting Thanks. an example. And, and 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 remind everyone to kind of, you know, take encouragement from that that there's there's real life in things that you are genuinely excited by. So Yeah,
0: however simple they might be. However
1: simple and you see how so many people are inspired by By you doing this. Yeah. Even me, I want to start my own rival podcast, not (laughs) mine. No, please don't, then no one's going to watch mine. Uh, mine. Start right now. Uh, Okay, thanks everyone. Okay, bye. Bye.